Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to share topics and guests that will empower you to grow as a confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. Today, my guest is Zane Landon. And let me tell you a little bit about Zane. Zane Landon graduated from Cal Poly Pomona. I knew I was going to screw that up. With a Bachelor of Science in Communication and Public Relations. And he's worked for places like, is it USAID? Or is it, okay, USAID, NASA, and General Motors. That's a pretty diverse group, and I'm, I'll have to ask you a little bit about that when we ask about your story. Yeah. He is a mental health and disability advocate, queer rights activist, entrepreneur, and positive change maker. He identifies his, as Hispanic, queer, and disabled. He is the founder of Positive Vibes Magazine, a digital magazine dedicated to telling authentic stories about mental health wellness, and inspiration. He is also the founder and president of Landing Dreams PR, a consulting business working with media and mental health advocates. Zane is a passionate storyteller, a man after my heart, there you go, who regularly writes about wellness, psychology, and culture for the power of positivity an entrepreneur, and Lady Gaga's channel of kindness. i got to ask about that. <laughs> His writing has appeared in several other publications. Today, I chose the theme of embracing uncertainty. For the past three years, we have been embracing uncertainty, and I thought it would be a great topic for us to have. So please join me in welcoming my guest, Zane Landon. Hi, Zane. Hello. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to have you here. And I always start out with an easy question to ease you into this interview. What part of the country do you call home? Where do you live? I am here in Southern California in Chino. <laughs> Chino. I actually knew somebody that lived in Chino way back in 2002, I'm sure. Wow. Um, I don't even know if they're still around there, but that I got to actually drive down to Chino and see what it's oh. like. Little town, right? It's it's nice. It, it is. It, it was better. very it smells better. It smells better too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so tell everybody your story. Goodness. <laughs> you mentioned I'm a recent graduate, so mm -hmm. one of the most exciting things was attending university as a I'm a first-generation student. Both of my parents did not receive their bachelor's. My mom did, in fact, receive her associates, but that's by definition I'm a first-generation student. So they mm -hmm. didn't fully get what it was 
completely yeah. like attending mm-hmm. university. But I was lucky that my mom had her undeniable, undeniably amazing support. And even mm-hmm. if she didn't get it, she made sure to understand by researching. <laughs> and sometimes she would go to campus with me, which I was never <laughs> embarrassed by. I know that like, I was even thinking this recently. I know that some, you know, kids or young adults are embarrassed by their parents. No, you can come with me. It's fine. <laughs> I'm more happy and be more excited to show you around. So it was, that was great. Um, so that's part of my story. And it was just a blessing to graduate recently. Yeah. Like I graduated in 2022 in May. And awesome. like you said, yeah, like receiving my Bachelor of Science um, in Communication and Public Relations. And I think, I know this podcast is about leadership. And I think, you know, I've always taken it upon myself to participate in leadership roles. But I think university was a, a true test to what mm. I wanted, what kind of leader I wanted to be. I got incredibly involved in probably way too many things. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was president of several councils, probably four to five clubs, not all at once. That's not possible. <laughs> but throughout my times, I was in university for a little longer than I should have been. But, you know, I think that helped a lot. And it gave me the confidence to be a certain type of leader, you know, one that is empathetic. And yeah. as you mentioned, I started Positive Vibes magazine. And that was hard because I had to build my own team recruiting leaders and writers from across the country and I had to figure out how exactly this was going to work because I started the magazine during the pandemic mm-hmm. and how actually do you engage remote teams I think that was a huge concern a lot of people were thinking about this is a new new model of work and how do you actually keep people engaged and excited I think what helped me was just listening to their needs and their needs were that you know they wanted flexibility they wanted mm-hmm. that empathy they wanted that respect and they they wanted to be able to share with me anything so I blended the lines of being like a manager and being a friend and I think that was great because they were really helping me as like a freelancer and an, yeah. or an intern so I was able to do that and I that's the kind of leader I want to be is one that can really tap into the hearts of people to inspire them but also really understand where they're coming from <clears throat> and I I think sometimes we confuse empathy and sympathy I think they're both mm-hmm. great and I think sometimes we don't have empathy yeah. I think that's okay. Cause like, I can admit, I can't empathize with everyone. You know, yeah. I can try mm-hmm. to though. That's the point. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, someone may have an experience that I will never understand. So I can't really empathize, but I can mm-hmm. sympathize. Mm-hmm. And I can understand where they're coming from and I can, you know, try my best to understand. I think that's important. So I think sometimes we argue that empathy is better than sympathy. I think they both hold different times of appropriateness. Because sometimes we can't, again, we can't empathize, but sympathy, I think, is just as powerful because you still can show up for someone mm-hmm. without empathy, I think, if that makes sense. I think a key thing that you said is the try. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's the effort. A lot of times, you know, I'll appreciate the effort. You, you, you might not have totally got me, but you tried, you know, yeah. and, and I think that's a lot of times people don't even try. You know, they just decide who you are, what you are, without getting to know you. And 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 that's why I'd like to to teach, you know, leading with the heart, the head and the hands, because I think you've got to have that caring. You've got to have that sympathy. You've got to have that em- emotional intelligence to know when to shut up and listen to, what, you know, what's being said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why is mental health important to you and to the, you know, everyone? Well, it's important to me because it it was something I experienced from a very young age. (laughs) 
I, it's hard for me to re like recollect my thoughts on when I actually experienced it because it was such a young age. Probably when I was five or six, I experienced, you know, mental health conditions. And luckily I had support from my family because they knew about mental health, which I think is great. You know, I recognize <laughs> I'm at a good place because of that. And not everyone has that. For some, they don't know anything about mental health. And they, people, children or people who are experiencing mental health conditions may be um, confronted with opposition because mm, maybe not that not maybe not that they're necessarily against it they just don't understand it again the try mm -hmm. and without trying to understand it you're really doing a disservice to the people in your life and to me that's why it's important and because you know we all have mental health there's a clear difference we all mm -hmm. we all have mental health doesn't mean we all have mental health conditions Yeah. There are people that have diagnosable mental health conditions, but not everyone has that. But we all have mental health that we need to always be focusing on. And I think the pandemic really shined a light on the issues that people were having with their homes, the workplace, that they weren't being supported, you know, emotionally, mm -hmm. that people across the board were experiencing burnout. Yeah. And people were actually openly talking about burnout. I know people were talking about it before and having conversations, but I was seeing this uprise and having an actual conversation on work work-life balance and actually actually implementing it so people can you know separate the work from home i think that was actually kind of hard because if you're working from home and your computer's there that may have been even harder to set those boundaries but i love that companies are taking the initiative um and implementing these practices so that's yeah. why mental health is important it's also important because you have unaddressed mental health And you have people who die by suicide then. And it can get it can get that bad that people are going to be actually dying and choosing to end their life because of an unaddressed mental health. That's why it's so important because untreated mental health can lead to something like that. And we don't want that to happen. You right. Know? Right. And and I think, you know, a couple of things you said just spark some thoughts. You, you said that you were about five. And a lot of times when you have someone young like that, either the parents, you know, because there's no manual for us, you know, we, we just were winging it. So sometimes the parents see that there's something wrong, but it's too scary for them to really admit that there's something wrong, right? So they just keep on avoiding that, you know, or the other thing is, oh, that, that kid's just acting out or mm -hmm. trying to get attention or just, you know, a bad kid or whatnot. And still, again, not listening to the signs and um, addressing the, the problem. And I think, I understand, and I can understand where they're coming from, because I think that when sometimes children have mental health conditions or they have ADHD or they're neurodiverse, mm -hmm. sometimes people actually blame the parents. And they yeah. put the blame on the parents for why a kid is acting up mm -hmm. or if a kid's depressed, it's obviously the parent's fault. Um, you know, I'm using that with quotations, <laughs> you know, not everything stems from the parents. You know, sometimes children are just born the way they are. I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. kids may have mental health conditions and issues because of their family. That yeah. is very possible. But I think that we shouldn't be quick to blaming parents or anyone. Sometimes things are just the way they are and we have to address that. Uh, so I can mm -hmm. understand why parents may be scared, yeah. not scared that, you know, that their child may be experiencing this, but also that they may be blamed or something mm -hmm. bad could happen. So I can understand a parent's fear for sure. Mm -hmm. 
So why are you a disability advocate? Well, I mean, I identify with mental health and mental health conditions are disabilities. Uh, I actually also growing up was neurodiverse. And <laughs> I mean, I still am, but I didn't really realize that till later because it wasn't really a thing. To me. <laughs> yeah, that too, that too. Um, but I did have a 504 plan growing up. And so I did have support and accommodations. But I learned recently I had a disability because I always wondered why I was on a 504 plan. And I learned that I, you know, I always had trouble concentrating Mm-hmm. and paying attention in class and I, I think a lot of people do especially neurodiverse or people who identify as neurodiverse so learning that was a huge epiphany for me like an understanding of there wasn't something wrong with me like I thought mm-hmm. for a long time and I wanted to actually make change about it but it wasn't just that I actually in it was my third year of university I joined an organization called the Access and Disability Alliance and they were all about advocating for disability and I stayed because of how they made me feel. They made me feel so welcomed. Even as someone, again, I was someone that knew nothing. I didn't know I had a disability. I came in knowing nothing at all. They welcomed me with such open arms, more so than I can say than my other communities that I belong to, which I think is unfortunate. <laughs> but, you know, I really stayed because I felt supported. And I learned I had a disability. And I learned that there was disability all around me. Like so many people I knew had disabilities. And I was like, we don't consider them disabilities. We don't treat them like that. Um, not that, because I think some people might <laughs> read that and say that people with disabilities are treated horribly. Not that what I mean, but we're not recognizing it's a disability. We're treating mm-hmm. it like it's an invisible disease or something, or it's something that we shouldn't be talking about. But I think we should be openly talking about these things, you know, about disability in this way, in this light, you know? So how did this, I'm going to call them a support group, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to me, they're, they were your friends, your community, but how did they help you manage, live with your disability to, to make, to make your, your ability to achieve your goals happen and, and not feel like an outsider. I think that's the thing is you, you, Mm -hmm. you don't understand. And so you feel like an outsider. I think what helped me the most is they didn't give me like accommodations, like academic accommodations. That's not what they were for. Mm-hmm. They were for just creating an equitable university experience, you know, for social justice. I think that's exactly it though, what you just said. I didn't feel like an outsider like I had before. And so if I was struggling in school, I knew that there could have been a reason why that it could have been from my disability. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. And I think, mm-hmm. like I said, not feeling the main thing is I didn't feel like an outsider. And so they really gave me the confidence, you know, to be a leader and to take action in my own life. And it was that support, you know, if I ever needed help with anything, whatever it was, I still had that support and that kind of cohort of people to help me. So I think that was what helped me the most navigate my disability, not just learning on my own about it, but having that like almost unconditional support and helping me navigate it, which I think was super helpful. And they knew a lot about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why I wanted to do this podcast, because I think there's a lot of people out there that that have solutions for folks and and we just don't know they are out there, you know, and to have somebody to talk to, you know, not even to solve problems or anything, just to talk to get it off your chest, just to 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 be able to say what's in your mind and not just let it fester in there, I think is so important. Wow, yeah, I agree. 
there were times where, you know, I needed that. And sometimes a listening ear is all you need. You don't need advice. You don't need anything else. Because I think, I think there are people out there that are like identify as fixers. They have to fix people's problems. That's what they're there for. Sometimes we don't want that. And that's yeah. not saying you can't fix it. You may be incredibly innovative, imaginative. You may have the best empathy, yeah. you know, and you may be able to solve the problems. But honestly, when someone can solve their own problems and take that accountability, it feels so much better. And sometimes we don't need the advice. Sometimes we just need that listening, that mm-hmm. ear or right. someone to sit by you. Even if like you're uncomfortably sitting next to each other and it's kind of quiet, you know, like maybe that's what that person needs. And mm-hmm. sometimes there's nothing wrong with just going, what is it you need today? That can go a long way. Yeah. I feel like that's a basic thing that people know, but we don't do it. You know, a lot of people don't do that and ask intentionally, how can I support you? How can I show up for you? Yeah. You know, I think asking is important because the person on the receiving end will tell you exactly what they need or they won't. Um, and I, But again, even if they don't know what they need in that moment, because sometimes you just don't, that support is still there. You know, and if, if they do need you, they can turn to you and they can ask for your help. So I think that's so important. I agree. So why is it important that we all embrace uncertainty? Oh gosh. <laughs> I think that's a hard one. Uh, I think that was a, like you said, a huge lesson in the past three mm-hmm. years. Yeah. I think that, what I think was kind of somewhat a, a miracle from the pandemic was there were people that embraced uncertainty and were able to kind of rekindle something in themselves. Maybe they lost a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe at the, maybe they were creative, yeah. um, you know, but life drags you down. But I think the pandemic put us in this place of like stillness and thought and people yes. didn't know what the oh. f- people and people did not know what the future looked like. And so that's why you saw so many entrepreneurs and creatives and people booming and some people even quitting their jobs to do something new, try something full time. And you see people being incredibly successful doing this. And I think that's because they embrace uncertainty. They didn't know what the future looked like, but they realized there was more to it. And that life was kind of short, especially with the amount of people that were passing away or dying by COVID. Um, It was a hard thing. I think that is what embrace uncertainty means. And I'll give an example for me. It's not about the pandemic, but I got a new job recently, my first entry-level job. Nice, um, at congratulations. Ge- Thank you. It'll be at National Geographic doing internal communications. And I will just be very honest, you know, I was scared when I first got the job. I was like, I don't know if I want to do it. It's all because I have to move to D.C. I was scared to move. I've been in California my entire life. It's literally across the country. And, you know, I told myself what's actually going to help me most with my growth and that's going to be exploring that uncharted territory, going out there and really growing in a way where I am uncomfortable and I'm embracing uncertainty because I don't know what's out there. I don't know what's in D.C. I don't know a single person. there. Granted, my partner's coming with me, so I'll have some support. I'm not just going completely mm. by myself, but it's still a completely new journey. So many new changes are going to be happening. And I think we don't want to get stuck in our comfort because and I think that's where we we will not naturally grow. Like if I were to get offered the job and it was actually, and it was remote, I would be happy. But where is my real growth going to actually start? 
it's not going to be stuck in my stuck in my same house or same room doing the job from here. Sure, I'll grow professionally in a way, but independently, spiritually, that's where the real growth is going to happen, where you do something, you take this huge risk. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people did during the pandemic, and that's why I try to live by embracing embracing uncertainty, even though it is really scary. Yeah. But you, the growth happens whenever you push yourself. Yeah. And I will tell you, my ex-sister-in-law worked, um, I think she still does, but she worked for the National Geographic and loved it. It's a great company. And uh, she uh, traveled and wrote, you know, you can use your writing and your storytelling to do articles for them. There's a lot of fun things that could come out of that. And DC is a great city. So uh, if you ever get stuck, you just call me. I have a brother that lives just outside of there that works in DC. So I will hook you up, but don't you worry. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Amazing. Thank you. All right. We're going to go into the um, rapid fire because we're running out of time. So talk to me about the impact of storytelling in your life. I have always, I think a lot of people have, people have always been inspired by stories. But what I love seeing most about storytelling is when you have characters you can relate with and relate to. And sometimes you can watch something or read a story and you're like, wow, you know they, you know people were involved that really know about this community because you really felt that. And you can tell when adults write a teenage story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like that's the best example I can give where there's a disconnect. And if you're and if your adults wanting to write something, bring in people that have that lived experience that can really, you know, really share what it's really like and share mm-hmm. that real impactful story. And when you when you see stories that reflect what you've gone through, it's inspiring because you mm-hmm. again, you don't feel like an outsider. You see yourself on that screen. And I think when you see that, that's where confidence can come from. And that's where real natural cultural change can spur mm-hmm. because people are understanding that or if you have if you accurately positively portray mental health in the media now people aren't going to be as scared people aren't going to be yeah. as judgmental or stereotypical about mental health because they're seeing it on screen and i'm not saying that's the only solution because it's not but i think it's a good first step and we know mm-hmm. how powerful the media can be so you had a, a comment in um your background information that yep. It, it didn't kind of go with everything we talked about, but it, it made me curious. So I'm going to ask, what does grieving mean to you? And why did you have that as one of the questions? I have that as one of the questions because it's something I love talking about. In January of 2021, on January 7th, my mom passed away. And I haven't experienced that much death, so it was unfortunate that it had to be from a super loving close one and it was a surprise so no one expected it and I know that there are people that don't want to talk about grief but I do I don't know why I just do I think that maybe that makes me feel close to my mom actually because I can share you know her spirit still and I can keep her alive in my way um and what's helped me cope with grief is imagination actually you know like going back to the positive stories and the the happy times, but also creating new adventures. I know it's all in my mind. It doesn't matter. I can still feel my mom's spirit when I do that. I did a whole podcast last week all about grief. Like an hour, we were talking about grief. And I think reason why I put it in there is because when I love talking about it, 
And it's just really relevant now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we need to have more open conversations about death, you know, attitudes around death, and also just what that means. Yeah. We can't keep avoiding it because, of course, it impacts mental health. But the amount of people in this world that lost a loved one due to COVID yeah. is astronomical. And yeah. so I, I would love to have break the barriers and mm -hmm. talk about death in this way and build those bridges so people can connect about it. Because I think yeah. that the more we talk about death, the more understanding we can be when it happens. But for someone that's never lost a loved one, allow yourself to, or when it does happen, allow yourself to grieve and don't let anyone tell you how to grieve or not. <laughs> you know, it's a hard thing. And you, you'll you never really completely understand to you, you cross that bridge. And it's, it, it is hard. That just makes, brings to mind. And that's why you're such a good storyteller because we see our story in yours. Um, two things. Um, when my grandfather died, he was the first person, as you said, with your, with your mom, he was the first person that I loved dearly, dearly that passed away. And um, my parents, because I was so broken up by it, did not want me to go to his funeral. Mm. And I never... I, I never really could grieve him properly until about a year later, I wrote a story for school about him and that allowed me to properly grieve him. And then um, it was a life lesson. So when I first got married, I lost two children and I talked about my miscarriages to people and they were always so surprised. But to me, that was, my way of dealing with the pain yeah. and, and finding, you know, joy and compassion in what I had and, and the time that I had, you know, type of thing. So um, I can totally understand what you're saying. And, and I agree with you that the past two years, a lot of people, I think, um, had grief that they haven't quite dealt with yet and need to. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. My condolences. My, as as you said, I I I lift up myself from by just talking about it. All right, the last question that I have is, what was your experience like advocating for mental health at the White House? Oh, yeah. So, the Mental Health Youth Action Forum, the first ever one at the White House, hosted by MTV. They collaborated with several nonprofits like Jed Foundation, Active Minds, National Alliance on Mental Illness, so many organizations that I knew about. And I saw this opportunity existed. And I immediately when I saw it, I was like, I'm applying. I'm not going to get it, though. <laughs> you know, I always try my best. I always tell myself, apply. You know, you never know why you're if you're going to be chosen. And you never know why. Um, I love that. And I love that because, you know, you never know. Like sometimes mm -hmm. you may not think you're impressive enough or you've done enough. Maybe that's what they're looking for. And maybe you yeah. are enough. That's it. You know? So I always tell people just hit the, hit the apply button. <laughs> and so, you know, I applied for it. Um, I didn't hear back for a couple months. I was like, I was confident I didn't get it. And then I checked my spam and then they told me I was moving forward as a semifinalist. So I submitted another application then again, like a monthish later, I found out I got it. Um, I think at that moment, I didn't really comprehend what I just read because <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm going to the White House. Like, I really did not comprehend that at all. 
um, until a little bit later. I think like maybe a couple hours there, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Now, if uh, if I were no, if if you ever told me I would be doing something like that, I wouldn't believe you at all. Um, that's kind of how I felt about myself. I didn't think I was worth something like that. Um, but all the all the work that I was doing, I was really proud to be able to do that even more and to do that at a place like um at the White House where they're starting to take mental health, specifically youth mental health, more seriously. Um, and even though I don't know the course of action that the White House took from what we said and what we pushed for or advocated for, but at least people were seeing it. People were seeing an event like that, you know, that there was this national conversation about mental health. Yeah. I think that's super exciting. Yeah. Um, so it so to answer your question, it was a, an amazing experience, something I never thought I would be able to do. Um, and I got to meet President Biden. There's a selfie of me with uh, him and all of us, the 30 advocates chosen. And I just learned a lot about myself. Um, and I really learned to appreciate and celebrate my achievements. I feel like we don't do that. Yeah. No, I feel like we don't do that at all. Um, we kind of get, we get stuck where we are. Like we may have a goal and we accomplish it. Then it's, what's the next goal? <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like there's such a hustle culture that we forget to like, ground ourselves into what we accomplish and just just like relish in it you know like yeah. just feel that feel that celebration and you know be proud of yourself give yeah. yourself that grace because you deserve it mm -hmm. that's something I definitely learned and that was my experience meeting even Selena Gomez was there as like the the keynote mm -hmm. basically which is really exciting because she has yes. her share of mental health right you know uh, conditions too so she was a great spokesperson at the event for us so yeah so, so great. I mean, and I loved what you said about just fill out that application. You know, it's it's going to be a no if you don't. So, yeah. so take the chance. It could be a yes. And I also loved about uh, your advocating small wins. I think one of the best things for me in my old age is that I started to every morning and every evening, I, I have a thankful, you know, either journal or meditation, just thanking for the small things, you know, okay, I woke up today. Okay. I didn't, you know, I didn't screw up today or, you know, but it's just the thing I had a great meal or, oh my God, I love in Georgia here, the sun shines, you know, a lot in the winter and in I'm from originally Pittsburgh where it doesn't. <laughs> and mm. so I just love to thank God for the sunshine that, that I have in this place that I live. And, uh, you know, I think that that helps us to, to stay grounded is to just yeah. be thankful for the small wins that we get in life. I agree. And then, you know, when, when you're grateful or have, yeah, when you're grateful for the things you have, I think you just appreciate it more because mm -hmm. there are people that don't have it and you, you could not have it maybe. You know, especially the things that we do have, they could go away one day. The family we're grateful for, they they could go away one day. Um, mm -hmm. so try to always live in that moment. Um, yeah. and you know, through my through my mom's my mom's death, you know, I learned um, you know, just take one day at a time mm -hmm. and try not to take life for granted because it's yeah. really is short. I know it's like the most cliche, but when you realize it is short, mm -hmm. it really is. Yeah. Yep.
that's that's for me that I think the pandemic had everybody to slow down and as you said was ref, became reflective and mm-hmm. and for me it was like you know I want to live every moment because I don't know you know we aren't guaranteed that you know so I just want to not have a moment where I shoulda coulda I just I want to just try and if I fail I want to learn from it and if I succeed I I celebrate it and I want to be an example for my grandbabies. <laughs> well, that's beautiful. And that's, that's what the whole theme is about embracing mm-hmm. uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love this theme and uh, thank you so much for um, being inspired me to have you talk about that. And uh, I'm going to share now my screen. So if you are just listening to Zane, I have a, um, now given you a warning to go grab a pencil and paper so you can take down his contact information so you can learn more about him. And I'm gonna share my screen for those that are watching. All right, so Zane uses LinkedIn as his website. That's where everything is. So you can check him out by uh, just using his name. Thankfully, I, I love whenever people use their name in their social media. So it's easy to find them. So he's on Facebook, he's on Instagram, he's on LinkedIn. Again, that's his main social media and a place to go. He's also on Twitter, but Twitter, he has changed things up a little bit. He's Landon Lane, Landon Zane. So last name, first name for Twitter, everywhere else it's Zane Landon. And I'm going to have him talk to you a little bit about the gift that he has. Well, the gift I wrote is please let's keep having conversations. Send me a message on LinkedIn to continue the conversation. I just really want to support many people as possible. If it's finding an internship, marketing, or if it's, you know, finding mental health resources, or if it's telling your story, how do you start? Um, anything you need to support, I would love to help uh, you on your journey, whatever you need. And you can see he has a big heart and a great listening ear. So definitely check out him on LinkedIn. Um, Please subscribe to our podcast here, but comment on this one. Tell us what you think. And uh, it's been, again, a great pleasure. Let me stop sharing. I just enjoyed so much having a conversation with you tonight. And I hope that others did too. You gave us great information, great story. And I loved how you were just so real and relatable. And I just wish you all the best at National Geographic and look forward to hearing more about you. We'll just have to do this next year and you can tell me how your experiences were and uh, where you're going. So as always, I say, uh, life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. 
We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.